Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Title of my message this morning is One for All and All for One. One for All, All for One. It's a reverse of the old Three Musketeers, but uh, I just... You'll understand the title in a minute. We're in our series called Save My City. And I like the title. It's not Save a City, Save the City. It's Save My City. God expects us, says in the Bible, that wherever your foot shall tread, that's your territory. And there's something important about saying as, as a follower of Jesus that where I'm at right now I'm going to put my foot down and say, this is now a dominion of a new kingdom, right? I'm not afraid of hell. I want hell to be afraid of me. And we're not afraid of hell. I want hell to be afraid of this church. I had a vision at the 9 a.m., one of our amazing worship leaders with Deborah, but I just saw like a lineup on on the corner of a bunch of demons just sitting there crying. So sad that you came to church. They failed, they failed, they failed. They can do their darndest. Listen, there is an enemy, but we're not on the defense, we're on the offense. We're on the offense. You are called to be on the offense. I love defense. I play defense in football, but we are called to be on the offense, to take dominion and territory from him because Jesus gave us back the authority. So I want to talk about this authority today and talk about our, our mandate as Christians our mandate. Jesus said, go out to all the world and share the gospel. And then he gave you, he gave you some encouragement. He's like, hey, don't worry about the enemy. Scorpions sting you, no big problem. Snakes, whatever. You know, poison's not going to hurt you. You're going to see the sick healed. You're going to see the broken saved. Jesus gave us a mandate to bring the good news to the world. And that's why at church, we always want to have a an atmosphere and a culture of faith, hope, and love. Corinthians says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Why? Because the world has got handing out for free faithlessness, hopelessness, hate. No, it's it's free out there. Like, you can just walk in. It's it's like Halloween. You knock and boom, here's a bunch of that. We can give you that. We can give you that junk food. But we want to be filled with faith, hope, and love. We want to make sure that when, when people enter the house of God, that they feel, whoa, this is different. This isn't like my life has been. I want to talk to you today about one for all, all for one. Here's the premise. Jesus was the one who died for all. And now all of us who know him live to reach the ones he died for. That's That's our mandate. That's our goal. And I just want to remind you that You know, when we talk about the blessings of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, Romans says that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's actually your testimony and people seeing God's goodness on you on the inside. Bible says in 1 John uh, that, beloved, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. 
right? So as, as, as God is forgiven and set free and you're, you're stepping into your call and your destiny and there's the blessing on you, you shouldn't be ashamed of the blessing of God. You should just be willing to share your testimony and be the first one to throw yourself under the bus and say, listen, this is where I started. This isn't me. This is God's goodness. God's goodness. So one for all, all for one. First, I want to set the premise. Romans uh, 5.19 says this. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, one for all, many will be made righteous. Jesus was the one who gave us back the keys and the authority to be God's children again. Not by our works, but by our faith in him. Not by our deeds, but by our trust in him. That's the gospel. The gospel, literally, if, 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 if you're not sure about this whole, like, it's kind of scandalous. You can't do anything to earn his love. You can't do anything to be a better person, to earn heaven. You can't do that. And if you have any confusion there, just read the book of Romans. It's in the Bible. It's right after Acts, okay? Just go, you know, all the gospel, boom. Find Romans and read it. Paul does such a good job explaining that it has nothing to do with works that at one point he stops and says, so by now you should be thinking I'm telling you just go out and sin. That's literally what he says. Like, by now, you'd be thinking, cool, we don't have to have any restraints. Then he, you know, course Christ says, no, if you're, if you're redeemed and set free, live a life of freedom. You know, discipline equals freedom. Right? Discipline equals freedom. I've been skydiving before, but I, I had to jump with a dude attached to my back. It's awkward. Like, walking, like, it was just awkward. But why? Because I hadn't had the discipline of teaching myself how to jump in the parachute by myself. Thus, I didn't have the same level of freedom. Yeah. Right? And so discipline opens freedom. Living the way God intended us to live gives us freedom. And Christ came to set us free. Next verse I want to hit. John 3.17. We all know John 3.16. Can't go to a football game without seeing it. It's everywhere, right? John, for God so loved the world that he gives only son that if you, if you could be one. All right. Um, but John... 317, yeah, in and out cups, I mean, whatever, it's out there. It's out there, baby. But I love John 317. Go ahead. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Listen, Jesus, I want to lay this foundation. Jesus died for everyone. There's no one he is interested in condemning. He is interested in saving people. All right, it's bad theology to, sing, to say that God, God is sovereign, yes, but he has not born people to never know him. That was not his intention. Because if you believe that theology, you advocate your responsibility. You no longer listen and you think, well, say law, what'll be will be, kuna matata Christian. Okay? Seems fun for a minute, but you have no purpose. Then God's got to shake you. Remember. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And I want to read 2 Peter 3, 9, just to smash that bad theology. Here we go. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, which means patience, by the way, towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I looked up the word any, and in the Greek, that word actually translates to any. 
And then even go deeper, if you look up the word, I'm trying to sound like John Dare over here. If you look up the word all, it translates to all. You guys, look at you Bible scholars. Woo, you got it. It's got, yeah, deep dive into the word today. The meat and potatoes, guys, the meat and potatoes, no milk. Jesus' heart is that all would be saved. And we play a crucial part in that. We play a crucial part in that. You know, listen, if you're new to church or new to, you know, a spirit-filled, life-giving church, there's a season to just come and get healthy, right? It's okay to just say, man, I got whooped up for 20 years or 30 years or whatever, how many years? I got whooped up and I just need, I need the presence of God. I need this. I need this connection. I need God to love you. You love me. God, I love you. You love me. But eventually what will happen and is supposed to happen is you keep going up, down, up, down. Then all of a sudden, poof, you hit people with the gospel. Poof, you start hitting people. It looks like a cross, up, down, and side to side. The goodness of God will start to flow, and we need to be open to that. We need to, we need to say, God, I want to do that. And you know what's awesome? You don't have to be able to look up the word any and all in the Greek. You don't have to. You don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. What you do have to be willing to do is say, I'll use my testimony. Use my testimony. Man, I was broken. I was messed up. I was hurt. I was looking. I was going to the club. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for the substance to numb me out because I didn't feel anything in life. I had no hope. Whatever it is, don't be ashamed of your testimony. That's why I, I look for that. I'm not impressed with a gift of communication. I look for the transparency. I look for the person who says, man, if, I'm gonna be under, if someone's going to be under that bus, I'll be under that bus. Let me reach down to a person and be like, you think you're bad? Let me tell you a story. Let me, I got a, I got a case study for you. Okay? So I want to go into a story because Jesus is after any and everyone. And, and there is a level of, uh, in our Christianity where, you know, it's fun to do this together. It's fun to go to connect group. It's fun, but we never want to get so caught up in the group or be inward focused that we forget about the one that hasn't met Jesus yet. Jesus made this really clear when he was talking to the Pharisees. He said, hey, who's, I would leave the 99 for the one. Now I'll address that in a minute, but as I'm thinking through a story in the Bible, and it's the day before Halloween, I thought, what a great story to talk about this subject. Let's talk about the demoniac, all right? So I'm going to bear with me. I want to read the whole story, because the story doesn't start when they get to the shore. The story starts where Jesus starts, and I want to set a preface before I start reading this story. At this point, Jesus' ministry has exploded. He'd, he is not lacking in time. Okay, it's not like he's like, well, I'm kind of bored. Maybe I'll go save somebody on the other side of their lake. He has thousands of people crowding around him, listening to his every word, staying for multiple days. It was so crowded that his own mom couldn't get through the crowd to even say hi to him. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's bonkers. So just don't ever say, well, I'm too busy to invite my friend to church. I'm too busy to invite my neighbor to church. Jesus, Jesus in the middle of the most booming part of his ministry, before he teaches a gnarly message and kind of whittles it down. The most gnarly part of his ministry where he's so busy, all of a sudden, picks up right here. Go ahead, boys. Thank you. Now it happened on a certain day. So he just wakes up one day. The, the disciple does a good job being like, it was like out of the blue. Wasn't a special holiday. Wasn't like, oh, this is, a, this is Easter Sunday where you invite the new people, you know? Like, no, it was just a random day. 
on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Now, this would have been weird because this wasn't Jesus' territory. There were Jews on that side, but they were Hellenistic Jews. They actually worshiped Zeus and all the Greek gods. This wasn't where he said his mandate was. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And, they were, and it filled with water. And they were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. I want to remind you, some of these guys are professional fishermen. They're not, you know, they know the difference between like, oh, a little squall, and like, this is a problem, okay? It was not like Peter's like, guys, chill, we got this. Like, Peter was peeing his pants, okay? And he's a pro <laughs> fisherman. We're perishing. Then he, said, then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Somebody say calm. calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. We're going to go for a long haul read, okay? So we got a few more verses. Then they sailed to the country of the Gardarians, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out in the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Author wants to make sure you get it. This wasn't like a random... You know, first, yesterday he did a Ouija board, and like, this has been a long time. <laughs> and he wore no clothes. That's weird. <laughs> Let that sing. All right, let's go. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus? What a great question. What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the most high God, I beg you, do not torment me. We'll come back to that. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness, or isolation. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, it's not his name, but the enemy had convinced him that he was different, had convinced him that his identity was different than who God made him to be because many demons had entered him. Check this out. The first two times he talks, it says he talked. Now we switch because Jesus is pulling out the demonic. And they, so now we're talking the demons, and they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Demons are scared of Jesus. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Interesting that animals have a greater sense of like, it's not worth it to be tormented by the demonic. But sometimes we'll open our own life up to it. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and, he, and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had been departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, love that, clothed and in his right mind, thank you, Jesus. And they were afraid. Interesting, they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means 
He who had been demon-possessed was healed. They're like, hey, it was that guy, the Jesus dude. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding regions of the Gardarians asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. Last verse. And the man, oh, two more verses. And the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, check this out, return to your home, your house. He's got family, he's got people. Jesus cares about not just him, but the family that's affected by his healing. And tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Come on, we want to save a city. We get people free. They'll start talking. They'll start talking. Three things I want to pull out of this passage of scripture. Point number one, there's a storm of obedience. Last Wednesday, if you weren't here on Wednesday, Pastor Leanne Pete preached, I think, the greatest message I've ever heard in my life, but hands down the greatest message ever preached in the history of mankind on the book of Jonah. And she talked about the storm of disobedience. There is a storm of disobedience. Okay, it's brought on by our own bad behavior. We all, if you've been alive longer than like 11 years, you understand that the biggest enemy in you is actually probably not the devil. It's the person you're looking in the mirror. We make choices that lead to storms in our life. So there are storms of disobedience, which God is also interested in coming into our world and calming them and stopping them and re re redeeming us and healing us and saving us and forgiving us. But there's also storms of obedience. The disciples weren't in disobedience. They give their whole life to follow Jesus. And now they find themselves in this storm that's terrifying. They think, man, we are going down. This ship is going down. We are done. There are storms of obedience. You're like, well, was that in the Bible? Yeah, let me help you. John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will, not you might, not some, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you all authority. I'm giving you all power. I'm freeing you with this word I've given you. I'm helping you. But don't be surprised when you face storms and tribulation. Okay, those storms and tribulation help actually grow our faith because Jesus shows us the proper response, right? Jesus gets up. First thing you got to do when you're facing a storm, wake up. Wake up. Some people just say, say, la, what'll be, what'll be. But if it, Jesus said to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And so we got to wake up to say, you know what? If this thing is coming against me and I'm following Jesus and I'm, I'm pursuing him, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm still in this growth process, but I am actually pursuing Jesus and a storm is coming against me. I've got to wake up and then I got to rebuke the thing. That's why every single Sunday we do the Book of Miracles. We give you an opportunity to say, you're putting your hand up, but you're not putting your hand up in a, in a wimpy like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure I need help. No, no, you're putting your hand up saying, enough, enough. I am going to rebuke this storm. But it grows your faith. I'm telling you, some of the storms I was like, oh, God, this isn't fair. I hate this storm, you know. In that season, I'm so thankful for because now I'm in this new season. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I learned what I learned in that storm for this storm. I'm telling you, after this storm, when, when the disciples faced any other storms, their posture was different. They said, hey, let's enjoy the ride. They were like on the front of the boat, come to Just ready for what's coming because they know now who's in the boat. 
all the things God did, he's just gonna leave you on the curb. And right now he's just like, that was how the Bible was gonna end. And Jesus went out to help somebody and drowned. That's, <laughs> that's not the epic life. That's not the life God plans for you. Come on, he, he's interested in getting glory through your life. So what do we do when we face those storms? Obviously we wake up, we rebuke them. But then here's the other thing. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. When you were obedient and you hit a storm, the worst thing to do is say, oh my gosh, there's a little bit of wind and waves. Let's go back. Let's go back to where we're comfortable. No growth happens in comfortable. No growth happens in comfortable. No improvement. Anyone who told you has ever tried to do anything, you don't grow in comfortable. But you know, we, we get in church and like, we're like, oh man, I love it. I love Sundays. I love the worship. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go to a connect group. <gasps> oh my gosh, these, there's people here. They, they, they want to know, they're going to see that I'm not perfect. Uh, I better back up. I better go back to where I started. Oh, you know, I love church. They keep talking about this DNA. I'm going to go to DNA 1, DNA 2. Oh, this is cool, man. They actually see that I have God potential in my life and that serving activates that. And then I get to, you know, week four and I, I actually have to commit. I can't just miss church whenever I feel like it. People are going to depend on me. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. This storm's getting too big. Come on. It's good preaching. I love you. I love you. Don't, don't. There is no defense in the Christian walk. We are on the offense, baby. We are taking down the devil. We are taking down the devil. Don't turn back. Is that in the Bible? Absolutely. Let's go there. James 125. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and he continues in it, say continues in it. Not looks at it, says, oh, that's cool, and then just says, all right, I'm done. But continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Listen, the kingdom of God, it works reverse. Some people say, God, if you bless me, then I'll do. It's not how God works. It's not how it works. He says, you trust me, and then I bless. You activate, you have faith, then I bless. Every per- nah, I won't even go down that path. All right, let's go. Also, Philippians 3, 13, 14. Just want to drive this home. I see the devil take out too many people with a God storm, like a storm that has to do because you're advancing, but then he stirs up the waters, and then they bail because they don't understand that part of being epic comes with some uncomfortability. That's part of it. And you really can enjoy it. I'm not saying you have to be a masochist, but I'm saying when the storm comes, get up on the front of the boat and kareha. Now stop it. You know, it's like that. Like get a little pumped, get some adrenaline, but then rebuke it, okay? We don't have to be afraid of every storm. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's so important. The day you think that you're a perfect Christian is the day you've stopped growing. And unless Jesus takes you home at that moment, you miss the mark. I never want to be a pastor who walks in one day and says, I'm the man of God. And I got this. I always want to stay in that place of God. Please help me. <laughs> God, let me deliver your word well. Let my life manifest your goodness well. I haven't fully achieved it yet, yet I still says this. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, straining on towards what is ahead. Next verse. 
I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Come on. Some of you need to get a better forgetter. No, this is important. Some of you need to get a better forgetter. Because God, who knows everything, says that when you've asked for forgiveness from him, as far as the east is from the west, he remembers no more. But you keep having awkward conversations with him because you're like, God, forgive me again. God, forgive me again. For the same thing 10 years ago. And he's like, what are we talking about? Because I don't remember it. I made a choice to not see it. I see Jesus. I'm not saying don't repent when there's a mistake or a sin. But once you've done it, forget it. Look forward. And the only time you should bring it up is you bring it up under the cross as a testimony to help people get to Jesus. That's why a car has a really big windshield and a really small rearview mirror. If you always look in the rearview mirror as a Christian, you will crash your life. You are not defined by your past or your family's past or anybody's past or even somebody that did something bad to you's past. You are defined by your future in Jesus. Let the past go. Faith is trusting God in the journey of obedience. If you face a storm in obedience, don't panic. Don't turn around. Rebuke it and keep going. And if you rebuked it one day and it's there tomorrow, rebuke it again. Rebuke it again, rebuke it again. Next one, launch out. Launch out. Put everything on pause. Jesus put everything on pause for one person. You have to understand, this, this, this wouldn't have made sense to people. He's got this flaring, flourishing church, this great community of people that want to learn from him, that want to, to grow. And yet in the middle of that, he just says, guys, get in the boat. Because the Holy Spirit reminded him, there's a person. He doesn't even, he's most likely not even following Yahweh. He's probably not even believing, but they're hurting. They're tormented. We're going across the lake through a storm. And it literally says that he showed up, freed the guy, gave him a mission, and they said, all right, let's go back to the thing. Every time a church gets inwardly focused and forgets that we're an organization that's a hospital to get people healthy and redeem and restore and get their authority so we can get that out there. We're one of the only organizations in the world that exists for its non-members. We exist for the non-members. And we all know the non-members. We all know people. We've got neighbors. We've got baristas. I don't know why baristas are always in the mix, but we love our baristas. <laughs> They're important. We've got pe- co-workers, family members. We never want to get so focused on internal or even the big thing that we lose the heart for the one. We lose the heart for the one. God's had to remind me of this. It's easy. I got super convicted. I told the Minutemen's prayer. I wanted to bring somebody, and I did, but he was also from church. I wanted to bring somebody to Emerge Men's Day night, and I realized my most of my network is in the church. I'm like, I need to go play pickleball, go do jujitsu. I need to do something <laughs> to get out of my circle. I mean, I got neighbors. And literally tomorrow, I'm going trick-or-treating with them because I see that God's working on them. 
You know, I had other plans. They would have been more fun for me, but I just, I'm like, they, our kids play and they want to go. I'm, we're doing this. I talked about in Luke 15, leaving the 99 for the one. But here's what I want to go even a little deeper. When those sheep lose the herd, they're left to, the, to be victim to the wild. Sheep were never made to not live in a herd, not live in community. They don't know what to do. They're not incredibly smart creatures. They actually depend on a shepherd. And I, even though maybe your neighbor or your coworkers look good on the outside, they're not running around naked with chains on their wrists. <laughs> the enemy still works overtime because he hates people. I'm telling you, you have friends that live in a tomb. It says that the demoniac lived in a tomb. They live in a tomb too without Jesus. It's a whitewashed tomb. It looks really good on the inside, but there's a God-shaped, or, sorry, it looks really good on the outside. But on the inside, there's a God-shaped hole. They don't feel purpose. They don't feel adequate. They're living in tombs instead of a home that loves them, believes in them, speaks life in them. They're tormented. What's gonna, they don't have that security. What's gonna happen? Oh my gosh, the stock market, COVID, da, da, da. They're tormented with fear. They're controlled, living under the fear of man, manipulated by bosses and, and people that they think they have to win their approval kept in a prison, secret addictions, hooked on pills, hooked on pornography, whatever it is, chained and shackled, chained up, can't break the cycles in their world, can't break the cycles of their family. But the one that's the worst of all those, it says that the demoniac, the demon would drive him out into the wilderness. He was isolated. Prisons know that the worst form of torture is isolation. Solitary confinement breaks people. They actually have a cap. They, for a long, they, they had caps on how long was legal because isolation breaks people. Now, if you're like me, you're sanguine and sometimes you book every night of the week, sometimes you're like, for a day, you're like, I wouldn't mind that. And if you're an introvert, maybe it's like every couple of days, you're like, I wouldn't mind that for, for an hour or two hours. But introvert, extrovert, nobody, nobody thrives in isolation. That's why I love our high team. Some people go all week without anyone noticing them, looking in the eye and saying, hi, how are you? Like your shoes. It's important. It's important to break isolation off of people. One encounter with Jesus can do that. But we gotta be willing to launch out. And can I tell you what works the best? It's launching out in a unified team. Obviously, you have the relationships, so you connect with them and you start to befriend them and you invite them to a thing. But at some point, what we want to do as a church is that we engulf people with faith, hope, and love. That when they walk in here, they go, oh my gosh, what's happening? I want to share a story to wrap this up. When I was uh, in high school and college, me and a bunch of youth pastors ran a summer camp. And we would have a beach day. This was in California. So we'd have a beach day. And we invented this game called the, I actually shouldn't say we invented it. Actually, it was a legacy handed down to us through generations of great youth pastors. <laughs> but it was called the Amoeba. And we would 
a bunch of guys. We get the big counselor guys, you know, college football players, one college cheerleader. He was pretty buff, though. It was weird. But anyways, uh, we just, uh, we would get a group of like eight guys, and we would casually, incognito, walk around and position ourselves where we surrounded an innocent little sunbather that although they thought they wanted to just sit there and enjoy the sun, what they really, we knew they needed and wanted is they wanted to cool down to that beautiful Pacific Ocean. And so we would yell out the call sign and we would all run around them and link arms tight, hold each other's shoulders and create a circle, an impenetrable wall around them. Then we begin to chant, oh, oh, oh. People never knew it was coming. They didn't know what was happening. So inevitably, when you don't know what's coming, you'd like stand up and you'd be like, what's happening? Perfect. That's what we needed. They stood up. <laughs> and then the amoeba, as one synced, unified unit of justice, would begin to slowly march towards the ocean. And after a while, they would realize this thing is going somewhere. And they would begin to try to jump, but the amoeba would lift its shoulders up. They would try to crawl under, we'd kick sand. And inevitably, as we kept going, slowly we'd get them into the water. And although they'd be screaming, saying, I don't want this, we knew they did. <laughs> and we would lead them into a full baptism there at camp. Dunk, you're welcome. Now you won't get sunburned. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> What's the point? We don't want to take people where they don't want to go silly illustration, but I'm telling you, Jesus said to lay at the well, I have living water. And if you'll drink of it, you will never thirst again. What makes a church powerful is that we have eyes to see. What makes a connect group powerful, what makes a, a team powerful is we have eyes to see people that are new. You know, not only are we bringing new people, but we don't, I, you know, I know if I can get a new person in here, I know my team is going to love them. They're going to amoeba with love, those people. Just, hi there, welcome to church. And then, hi, welcome to church. Man, I love your jacket. Oh, my gosh, it's great to see you. And uh, slowly and surely, we surround people with encouragement and love. It's not fake. We actually look for the gold that God has put on people. And they don't even realize it, but we're, hey, have you heard about DNA? It's pretty awesome. We actually think there's a gift in you, and God will show you. Hey, have you ever been to Connect Group? I'm in the best Connect Group. My, no, you, you're coming to my Connect Group. Not there. Don't go to there. Go to my Connect Group. Doesn't matter who's Connect. We just keep saying, come on, come into community. Hey, have you ever thought about serving the kids? It's awesome. Have you ever thought about, and all of a sudden, before you know it, people are like, what happened? I have living water. I'm refreshed, I'm loved, I'm forgiven. As a community, we move people towards Jesus. That is the call and the mandate of the church. That is the kind of church we will have. We must never forget about the one sheep, the one sheep, the one that Jesus loved. He gave it all for one. Now we wanna all be for those ones. Why don't you stand to your feet? The Lord is not willing that any should perish. That any should perish. 
today's message was to inspire us, the Ecclesia, to remember our mandate. While we're crushing it and going to Pathfinders, while we're, while we're you know, loving our children, raising a family, whatever you're doing, don't forget the one, the one. And if all of us have that mentality of going for the one, and then we have an amoeba church, a church that just loves on people, not fake, but actually says, Jesus loves you, and he's loved me, and I just want to return what he gave me. We're going to see a city transformed. It really is that easy. It really is that easy. Real quick, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I don't want to embarrass anybody in any way. But maybe you're in this room and you don't know this Jesus, this Jesus that would uh, traverse a storm and cross a lake that's the size of a sea just for you, just for you. Friend, everyone in this room that knows Jesus as Lord and Savior, we all figured it out that we can't do this in our own strength. We all figured out that we need a Savior. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe at some point you raise your hand, but you just say, man, I'm so far from Jesus, and I just want to come back to him. I want to pray for you. That's why I had everybody bow their head and close their eyes, because this is just between you and God. But in a minute, I'm going to count to three, and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I know who I'm including in that prayer, if that's you. And then once I've seen it, you can put it down. So if that's you, if you need to come back to Jesus or you need to come to him for the first time, the devil in this world has been working overtime to keep you from your purpose and your destiny. But Jesus has come to give you life and life abundantly. If that's you and you want to be included in that prayer, will you just stick your hand in the air real quick? One, two, three. Thank you, I see that hand. 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 Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else? Just wave it at me if I didn't see you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you, I see your hand. Beautiful. Beautiful. I do this every time when I feel it because someone did it for me, but I feel like there's one more person and you're just like, I don't want to do the whole raise the hand thing, but but Jesus is calling you and somebody did this for me. So I'm going to ask one more time. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Beautiful. Awesome. Why don't you guys look up at me? I'm going to lead us all in a prayer together. Okay. After service, right over here is the amazing Cynthia. Okay. She is the friendliest person of all. So like, and we have a gift we want to give you. It's a Bible, which I've been preaching from. Great book, best book, bestseller of all time. Really recommend it. Change your life. And then another book called Following Jesus, which just helps outline steps of growth. It's, it's to help you read your Bible. It's not the Bible. Just want to explain that. But, and we want to pray with you real quick individually and just solidify this decision. But friends, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. We're all going to pray this out loud. And if you raised your hand, you pray this out loud with everyone. And this is the moment that the Bible calls being born again. 
It's when God takes all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings, and he says, I'll take that on the cross and you get to have my reward, my perfection, my love. And now you're a child of God and you're gonna see that your life will begin to change, not because you're doing something, because his power is doing something in your life. And I promise you it will be different. So let's all pray this out loud together. Dear Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I believe that you went to that cross for my sins. And that because of what you've done, and because you rose, I am now a child of God. Heaven is my home, and your Holy Spirit is going to fill me to succeed in the mission you have for me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.